Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable, an ongoing conversation on basic income, poverty, and electoral politics. It is 326. On basic income, poverty, and electoral politics. Oh, oh and someone has external oh, monitors. Oh, hang on. I, I, I had the Twitch stream open. <laughs> All right. Well, we do. <laughs> we have today a uh, real publican. Um, uh, I see your real name seems to be Rio. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Good. Vera um, Denier. Vera Denier. Well, thank you for coming. Um, we are here today specifically for a solutions-oriented conversation on how to inspire UBI advocacy in Republicans and how to inspire and support Republicans to run for Congress on a UBI platform and join the nonpartisan basic income caucus um we were hoping to have dan larson here who is the at the moment sole republican on the um ubi caucus but he could not make it today um hopefully we'll have him again soon but we do have you uh rio so thank you for coming um you have a yang gang republican or former republican or at least you know conservative perspective to share so um uh why don't we maybe get the conversation going with you introducing yourself Oh yeah, sure. Um, hi everybody. Uh, yeah, I do a grassroots, um, podcast called moving forward with a progressive co-host named Corey Cottrell. Um, and I'm the conservative co-host. I'm now an ex Republican. Um, I'm a never Trump conservative now registered conservative Democrat to vote for Andrew Yang in the primary. Um, and, uh, I, I, I could definitely speak to um, ways to persuade conservatives to back UBI, whether they're conservative Democrats or conservative Republicans, both of which we need to get it done. You know, so many of our audience members just uh, either currently or in the past have discounted just Republicans entirely as people to engage with politically. And I think you could open some doors for people if they are willing to open their minds and listen to you. So I am going to um, let you teach us how to talk to Republicans to start about UBI. That sounds good. So please tell us more. Okay. Well, I mean, the first obvious thing to say is that actually a huge chunk of Andrew Yang's um, movement, a huge chunk of the Yang gang has been Republicans. Um, In my experience so far, most of those have been Trump supporting Republicans And uh, Yang himself spoke to um, how to persuade those people in his own book, um, The War on Normal People. Um, Trump supporters are kind of an alt-right populist movement. They're about trying to actually take – they wanted to seize power from the Republican establishment um, because they saw the Republican establishment as as just kind of pandering to them cynically and not actually – they didn't feel heard by their own party. Um, and so Yang has actually already done a lot to reach out to those people. Um, and if people within the Republican Party want to get Trump supporting Republicans, which is right now is most Republicans, if you believe the polls, right, um, they, they could take a good cue from Yang on that. Um, the, the, to me, the more interesting question is how do you persuade never Trump Republicans and conservative Democrats who are, frankly, to the right of Trump supporting Republicans who are more pro free trade, for example, and who tend to be more um, sympathetic to business um, um, interests um, to to back UBI. Uh, So I think that would be an interesting direction to go. Yeah, I I think, um, I mean, especially on the free trade thing, something like UBI and free trade can work hand in hand. Yes. You know, and especially if one of the consequences of free trade is less jobs here in the United States, um, because, you know, 
let's be frank about it. You know, when we're importing from other countries, um, we're exporting jobs. You know what I mean? Uh, we have to do something about those workers that are losing those jobs. Otherwise, we're just going to have, you know, chaos in the streets here when everyone's jobs just evaporate. I mean, we have chaos right now, but for different reasons. But, you know, if the economic desperation in the country keeps on getting worse and worse, eventually we're going to get to a point where there's going to be a populist uprising, the likes of which we've never seen before. I mean, you could call Trump a populist. That was a bit of a, a movement against the establishment in part due to this jobs issue. But mm-hmm. The way he's handling it, he's going about it the wrong way, you know. Universal basic income, I think, will um, not solve, but it would be the best remedy that we could offer um, that doesn't involve a giant bureaucracy to address the issue of jobs being exported overseas. So, I mean, we could do that along with free free trade. It would enhance free trade, if anything. Yeah, it would, exactly. And uh, that tends not to be the sort of argument that Yang had, was making in the Democratic primary. But mm-hmm. if you were a Republican who was running on UBI, you would be able to appeal to both the populist um, Trump supporters who tend to be concerned about things. They tend to, frankly, have more of a Bernie Sanders take on NAFTA and the TPP, right? right. So they're the leftward wing of the Republican Party. So you could get those people with what you just said, like, you know, we, we, because first of all, we're listening to you. We understand your plight. We know you're losing jobs um, and we need to uh, to address that. But you can also persuade um, the right wing, which is frankly a smaller branch of the Republican Party, but it's also the branch that historically has had most of the power. It's the branch that has most of the money. Um, it's the interests that fund the party for the most part, right? Um, mm-hmm. You can persuade those people by making explicitly pro-capitalist, pro-free trade arguments about how UBI would be good for business. How mm-hmm. when more money is in the hands of your customers, you know, if you're Jeff Bezos, you're going to be making in tons of money. Yeah, you'll be paying a little more in taxes through a, through a VAT, but, you know, that's massively offset by the fact that your customers will now have way more discretionary income to spend on your products. But the other thing, too, is it's for the greater good to have more people be healthy and functioning in society. And maybe the person that you help with the UBI is the person who created the cure to the rare disease you as a millionaire have, right? You've got more people, more brains functioning, trying to work together collectively as a whole to better society and the world, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And and it's something that unfortunately the the current GOP is not acting like this, but historically conservatives in both parties have been concerned about preserving um stability, preserving civilization, pre- preserving um institutions like the rule of law and uh democratic norms, decentralized power, things like that that are that are currently under threat from populists on both sides whether they're aware of it or not. Um, and so Yang did make that argument in uh, The War on Normal People. He said, look, we need to save democracy. And one way of doing that is to help all of these people who feel like they've been shut out of the process. We need to show them that they are included, that they are Americans, that we care about them, um, and that we're listening to what they have to say. So if you're trying to persuade rich right-wing Republicans and Democrats who believe in free trade and relatively low taxes and not a super generous social safety net – that's a good way of doing it. You can say like, look, if you don't care about the people themselves, you care about yourself and your, your ability to live in a free society. And in order to preserve that, we need to, um, frankly, you could even behind closed doors, you could say we need to placate them. You know, mm-hmm. um, if, that's the, if, that, if that gets the policy passed, then that's, that gets the policy passed. 
I don't think mm-hmm. we, we should even look at that, it that way. That's really cynic. We don't have to look at it cynically <laughs> because you made a good faith case for it, you know? You're yeah. like, look, here's why it really actually does benefit these two uh, major sects within the Republican Party. That's, that's an ironclad mm-hmm. simple case. And you can make similar but, but, but nominally different cases for all the sects within the Democratic Party. This is the perfect policy as far as I'm concerned at this point in time. It really unites almost all political factions, everyone who does not have an interest in specifically being an oppressor, I think this, mm-hmm. this, this unites. So at least for a moment in time, I think we can come together, put the cultural issues aside, get this passed, and improve everyone's quality of life. If we can't work on anything else together, so be it, but let's do this at least. Um, and like, so why, with these arguments that seem just as Republican as they do Democrat, just as conservative as they do liberal or progressive to me, um, do You're we one- still have no, almost no representation on the Republican side of the aisle uh, for basic income? We do have Dan Larson, um, uh, but he's the only UBI caucus member, and there are many, many uh, Democrats. I'm not sure I exactly mean- how many, but I think upwards of, of, uh, of like 20. So I do think that's probably because we never made it to the general. So we spent all of our time focusing on other Democrats. We never got a chance to really en masse connect with Republicans. Individually, I know I've had success doing that. I'm definitely not alone in that, but we never nationally were able to address it. I- I, I, I think I have an answer for that. Um, it's mainly that the Democratic Party, um, when Yang started, you know, doing when he started running, he didn't he didn't think he was going to win the, the, the nomination. He was running in order to get this idea out there to make it part of the mainstream conversation. And he's 100 percent succeeded in that. And he got closer to winning than I expected him to, frankly, as an OG Yangster. I'm super happy about that. Um but the Democratic Party is in the process of choosing a new leader, which in, on some level is also a symbol of what direction do we want the party to go in terms of policy. So the Democratic Party is having a conversation about that. The Republican Party has a leader right now, and they're very good at rallying around their leader, um, something that the Democrats could learn from them if they want to win more often, frankly. Um, and so I think that um, Donald Trump kind of has to go in order for the Republican Party to recenter and say, OK, we tried that. That didn't work. What can we do now? And then I would fully expect um, Republicans in the Republican primary to run on UBI using exactly the so- sorts of arguments we made. Even if it's just one person, that would do, and uh, just like Yang did, it would do an enormous amount of good in terms of bringing this idea into the Overton window uh, within that party. I think so much more good, though, than one person doing that would be a dozen or more Republicans running for Congress as a powerful coalition. And then if they have the backing of a dozen or more Democrats, which there already are running for Congress on a basic income platform, that coalition is almost too powerful to suppress and we will get it done. Um, so that's what I want to make happen so badly, so badly. Um, I wonder, I wonder, okay. it's, an inter- it's interesting that you said you feel you need to change the leadership for this change in um, culture to happen. I wonder why individual Republicans don't feel comfortable reimagining the Republican Party for themselves and then sharing their vision from the ground up and then hoping that gets to leadership. Why doesn't that happen? Uh, Why aren't Republicans thinking about the Republican Party in that way? It's like, I have ownership of this. I can make it what it is to me. I can change it a little bit. Why why don't Um, Republicans do? Republicans think that way, right? I mean, of course, we're all human, right? What's so what's stopping them? Like, like I said, I, I think the party's just in a different place. Right now, they're focused mm-hmm. on keeping their current leadership in power. 
um, there's not as much um, frustration with the current leadership because they have, for better or worse, um, populist leadership right now. They have an establishment that has been whipped into shape and is going along with what the base thinks they want. Um, so part of it is a matter of of helping a lot of Republican voters, which many Yang gang Republican voters have already figured out just paying attention to the Democratic primary, which is amazing, frankly, much to their credit, that they're paying that much attention to politics, especially in the other party. Um but they're starting to figure out that, wait a minute, you know, 87% of job losses are actually due to automation, not outsourcing. So all of these tariffs that Trump's doing are, if at best case scenario, maybe going to save 13% of them. That's it, right? But there's no solution to the automation problem, out, short of outlawing automation, which would obviously be a terrible idea for the yeah, economy. Yeah, no, no. Right. And well, for the same reason, frankly, that being opposed to free trade is bad for the economy in the long term, too. Like you want to have a dynamic economy. Um, but the question is, how do we have a dynamic economy that also um, makes sure we're not leaving behind people who are being displaced by changes in the market? I mean, part of the problem is we're shifting into an information economy where there are going to be lots of jobs in service. There are going to be uh, jobs, white collar jobs for highly trained people. And a lot of the traditional jobs that working in middle class men in particular, Yang talks about this in his book, um, have relied on for a decent income are going away. Uh, and what Trump's doing right now is he's, he's uh, persuading people that that's the fault of China, that's the fault of Mexicans, um, it's about shifting the blame away from American corporations who are automating away their jobs um, without them realizing it. So part of the problem is when the party is so fixated on keeping their guy in power. Um, and I real I agree with you, by the way, that of course you want to have people in Congress, you want to have people even in, in state governments, right? At every level of government who are um, supporting this policy in both parties. Um, but they're not going to get in order to get that kind of a big movement and, and shift in policy direction. Um, that's a change in attitude um, within the overall narrative of the party. And right now, the narrative of the party is the deep state is against our guy and our guy is backed by our people. And, you know, he's looking out for the little guy. So they, they believe that they already have the right policy solution. So part of the problem is persuading individual Republican voters, which Yang has already done to, an ex- to a, a rather extraordinary degree. So um, what is stopping Yang Gang members from going and joining their local Republican groups, uh, making inroads, uh, you know, winning hearts and minds, and then running for local office, running for Congress on the Republican side? This, I mean, I know it's because we haven't, they haven't had an election yet, but the Yang Gang is not a partisan group. Um, and since it's happening on the Democratic side, and it needs to happen on both sides if we're going to succeed, I wonder what the holdup is. I mean, I hear you. I, I, but I think if the holdup is indeed the Republican Yang gang is just sort of unspokenly waiting for uh, the election and then they're going to figure it out. I think you can't. I think we got to act now as a co- as a nonpartisan coalition. I agree with that. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the herding, herding cats is notoriously difficult. Um, I think right now the Yang gang on both, you know, Republican and Democrat Yang gang voters, a lot of us are feeling the sting of the fact that we started to get our hopes up. We started to believe that the impossible was going to happen. He was going to get the nomination, even though he started as a, a nobody. It's frankly amazing. He went as far as he did, like I said, but a lot of people started to believe that he was going to be the nominee and they're still feeling the sting of the fact that he wasn't. And if you were, imagine if you're an outsider to the party or a Republican, still a Republican, and not only a Republican, but you're a pro-Trump Republican, which most of the Yang gang Republicans are, in 
my experience. If you're one of those people and that you you just got your hopes up and then the DNC squashed it. And meanwhile, Donald Trump is saying the DNC is crooked. It's corrupt. They stole the election from Bernie Sanders. They stole the election from Andrew Yang. Um, your initial emotional reaction is to go back to the guy you already support. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, I, if only to stick it to the crooked DNC, if nothing else. Yeah. I think part of the issue, too, is just that right now the Republican Party, being that they have the guy in the White House, um, the image of what it is to be a Republican is much more well-defined than what is a Democrat, you know? And everybody, when, you know, there's kind of a, a like a cult of personality issue going on, and that's not exclusive to Trump. That whenever, you know, your party has uh, the White House – the rest of the party seems to mirror what that person's politics are, right? So right now, the Republican Party is well-defined, kind of, what they stand for. The old guard was pushed out, kind of, and now it's basically the party of Trump. Uh, and the Democratic Party, on the other hand, is has been doing some, a lot of soul-searching. So, I mean, if you're Yang Gang or, you know, you, you, you don't really know what you are, uh, but you know that you're not a Trumpist, then chances are you're going to be much more likely to run, I think, as a Democrat, just because you know that you're not a Trump type Republican. So after yeah. Trump, though, after Trump, I think there will be a lot more UBI, Yang Gang types running in the Republican Party. But I agree with what Rio was saying before. I, I don't think it's really going to happen in uh, in large numbers until Trump is out. If it were going to happen right now, and I, I, I agree with Shale, I'd actually like to see it happen sooner rather than Me later. Too. If Me too. Yeah. If it were going to happen right now, it would be in, in one of two situations. If you're running as a Republican, you're either running in a place where Trump is loved or in a place where he's tolerated at best, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're running in like a deep red state, you have to be a pro-Trump Republican. So you could run in a primary um, and just, you know, a lot of, you know, the UBI caucus is a lot of primary people for the most part, right? So, and that's happening on the Democratic side. You could run in a primary in a deep red state and say, I love Trump, totally with him on trade. We, we're getting screwed by, you know, the establishment. We really need to go to, you know, trade war with China, win that trade war with China. However, there's this other problem of automation. And for that, I want to have UBI. You could you, do that in a, I mean, in a like, red... That's, yeah. This is like... When I say you're speaking my language, not in that I am that demographic, but like this is what I am imagined how this conversation will go. And I'm just wondering why it's not happening. It seems so obvious to me. I'm so happy. I feel so vindicated because it's coming from someone who really has lived that experience. Yeah, and I think but now I'm just confused as to why where the disconnect is. Like it seems you know exactly what 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 should be done. It's just not happening. No, that's a good point. Well, I was about to say the other option is if you're, let's say you're a Republican running in a, um, like Orange County, which actually went for Hillary Clinton. It was the first time in quite a while yeah. that it didn't go for the Republican, right? Um, so that's a, a, a you know, a, um, conservative um, uh, county that's in, major. Yeah. in California. Major. It is Orange major, County right? is huge and yes. very, yeah, very, very influential, wealthy. Very powerful, affluent area. They went for Hillary Clinton for the same reasons that the white working class love Trump, right? They realize that, wait a minute, you know, there's this new, there's this shift of the coalition in the Republican party. And I want to go with the free trade person, even if it's the Democrat. Right. And so that's what they ended up doing. Um, so if you're running as a Republican in a primary in, in a place like that, and there are lots of counties like that, I just use that as an example. Um, then you could, you could say like, yeah, you know, Trump's in office and he's our guy and we have to have his back, but also, you know, we all recognize that he, 
you know, has his flaws. And I would like to try to steer the party in a more productive direction. And let's do it through this UBI thing. So you actually have two paths depending on where you live as a Republican. That's brilliant, man. Okay. I mean, look, you're clearly the person who should head this operation. <laughs> what, what, no, I'm not even kidding. In all my free time. <laughs> well, what if I said, like, what if I proposed that you join Dan Larson and run for Congress as a UBI <laughs> Republican? Please. I think, I think you, you are so competent. You're an inspiring leader. You know what you're talking about. And you know the party in and out, it seems. You know how to reach people. And you, I you shouldn't know, laugh, I, uh, but his first fight will be with his wife. Yeah, that's maybe, right. My, my wife okay. said she would Maybe that's the hardest fight. Well, you have to get down on your knee and ask. <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not fun. It's not glorious. It's service. But it's yeah, it service, service to everyone. You're saving everyone's lives. I would, I would be happy to get involved in a movement to encourage more people to run on But UBI. you personally, though, <laughs> would you because per- no, I, you're such a talent. If I got permission <laughs> from my wife, I would think about it. Okay. okay I understand. So, so just saying, getting down on the knee is the key. No, like, look, I, I like where you're going with this. Those, those who can't do teach, right? So no, if you really could get like, like five or six people you're mentoring who are running for Congress on a UBI platform, that would really be a significant boon to this movement. I would yeah. love that to happen. Well, okay. for sure, though, like, I think a big uh, barrier for anybody getting into politics, especially the younger generation, we don't have mentors that we trust. Uh, we also don't have people who uh, walk us through the process because it might be a foreign language to us. Like, we don't even know some terminology, I'm sure. You know, it's like, how much time did we even have to look at politics because we were working three jobs, you know? Um, I mean, I'm only 30, but I do like pay attention to other people's lives as well. They're just too busy to like even know how to do something. So I think just like classes uh, to work your way in there in a healthy, non-corrupt way, uh, because right now, like it's legally like you legally can be corrupt. Uh, It's just it's broken our system obviously um but like i wouldn't know how to go from idea to fruition unless i had a mentor um and that's a big problem in our society like you know you gotta pay you to have someone to teach you something or maybe i'm just broke and surviving and i need a mentor i think a lot of that is part of the problem Ariel, uh, I'm not sure where he got off to, but he was here a minute ago. He has considered yeah. running for Congress on a Republican platform. So, I mean, if he were here, we could yeah, talk to right, him I am There here. you go. I'm, All right. So, I'm I mean, right like, yeah. perhaps he could be the first person you mentor. And what do you think about <laughs> that, that, guys? Well, well, I told you why I couldn't because of money. It takes money to So, we figure like out where the money comes from. That's step one, right? You need, you right, need exactly. a financier. If, if someone were to bankroll me... I'd have no problem. So let's find a conservative, rich, yang yang person to be that financier. Yeah, I I already reached down to to Dan Price, uh, that that guy. Remember, Um, uh, CEO, big guy. He like he he gave all of his you know um, um, employees a raise. Best best employer in the United States, right? Best 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 boss in the country. Gravity payments, I think. Right, right. I, I actually said, "Hey," and then and then he said he was he was going through some troubles of his own and he couldn't do it. <laughs> I think that's a big thing that keeps people from getting involved too, especially the younger you are and the less able you are, like resource wise, because you haven't made friends that can uh, help you. you know? Can yeah, I can I jump in for a minute? Cycle. Because uh, they 
because uh, I had to campaign or run for office for just a three day convention. And literally they put somebody on before at the beginning of our meeting together where all the candidates were going to have one minute to talk, just one minute, you know, to talk to the whole group and tell you, tell people who they are. But the person that came to speak before us had 10 to 15 minutes to tell us about the positions. And he basically said that going to this convention was going to cost $6,000 of your own money. Don't even think that you can raise it because in 25 years he's done politics. Only one person has ever gone on somebody else's dime. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, he's basically just going up there and saying, don't vote for Faye. Right. Because Faye lives in poverty. <laughs> Not that he yeah. said those words. Right. Yeah. But in my mind, that's that's how it translated. And uh, I immediately said to my, wait a minute, I, that was never a problem for me. I am definitely going to raise that money because I know people and I'm doing good things and people believe in me. So uh, so I had to make a whole new campaign for that. But I did lose my campaign. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but. Um, I, I, I see that as a serious problem, but I think it's actually an artificial, right? It's an artificial problem because when people believe in what you're doing, uh, they're going to come in. So it's like the barriers in your mind and your heart that you don't think you can get that money. I think you can. Uh, maybe a Republican leaning super PAC for BI supporting Republicans. Absolutely. The, the, the PACs that exist right now are, are backing Democrats for the most part, or maybe even exclusively. I'm not sure. sure. I mean, if it like, but, but here's some of the things that I don't like is when like people, people give you like random suggestions, but then like, like what people really need is to be pointed at least in the right direction or just get the resources they need because a lot of times, a lot of people like to pontificate about, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And I have this idea for you and you have that. I, I have that idea for you. But then like when you're on the path and then and then you say like, hey, I'm, I'm actually coming up to a little trouble here. The people who are so quick to give you all of the ideas and all the suggestions and all of that, they're like, don't bother me. Uh, 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 it was like, I just had an idea like thing. And I, I hate when people do that. I can't I mean, stand it. You know, so to be fair, the people yeah. who have the idea to help you might not be the people who have the resources to enable that idea to function. Yeah. Well, yeah. They I are. Know. So some of the people that encouraged me to run for various things, and I didn't run for all the things I got encouragement for this year. I just thought it was just one thing, you know, but the different people who were encouraging me, some of them do have resources and they have been fundraising. They know how to do it. So that's another thing is don't be afraid of um, asking. Just keep asking. In fact, I think that's who is being uh, voted for right now in this Texas uh, State Democratic Convention that we're doing. It's pre-convention time, okay, and for two weeks we're voting on different committees already. The convention hasn't even started. So all right. of the, a lot of the work is happening right now before right. the convention, right? Right, and right. And people are so, voting so, so. for the ones that uh, just keep sending more emails, like they don't care. They don't have time to even read the emails, but I know I've got five emails sure. from this guy. Well, well, my my big thing is that I if I do decide on doing something like this, I don't want to fly by the seat of my pants, you know, because I think like like Yang had to because that's his Yang campaign. But if he ever does it again in 2024, you you better make damn sure that we are not flying by the seat of our pants. We have everything planned. We have strategies. We, we organize. We have everything down. So if there was like a strategy and organization and like game plan before I started anything, I'm so you in. Need a cheat I'm going to do it. You need but, a cheat sheet you know. to figure out, okay, these are important. These are not important. Right. You know, like, 
right. where are you wasting your time? Essentially, right, exactly. Like, like because the old thing goes: when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm. And I don't, I don't plan on failing. So, so I'm not going into anything because, because, because it's it's fun when it begins. You're so excited about an idea. Oh, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that, and then this is gonna happen, and then this is gonna happen. But then when you start implementing, like, boom something can just come up out of the blue and just kill it out of nowhere. You know? Does Rio have some uh, suggestions for the correct steps to take? I have some and I want to you know, tell him after Rio gets a chance. Uh, well, I, I mean, really what I was just thinking is that we need two things then. You need a pro-Republican UBI pack um, and you need this has to be a separate thing because legally the pack isn't allowed to coordinate with the campaign. You need to have uh, somebody who's advising people um, on how to effectively message to Republicans in their districts. Um, that would be your cheat sheet. Um, so the think tank would it. be us, maybe. Yeah, something, something like that. We could start something like that. I'm I that. would suggest we write to. Uh, First of all, that person, Ariel, who you sought backing from and ask if they'd be interested in, rather than backing you, helping to set up with a group of their rich friends, a Republican UBI super PAC. Yeah. Perhaps we can have them on the program. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. If you come back for that, I would love that. Right. right, No no pressure. I hate to like, like, come back to the show. I'll run the air. (laughs) I know. And then we've got our seats because he said yes. (laughs) But but maybe you know if you're free, maybe maybe. So yeah, if 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 I if I get the funding part, then the then then that's that's it, and and then and then I'd be more than happy to to invest those resources into some messaging machine, and 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 um I I wouldn't even need that much advising. I think like like the way I can speak and articulate things, and I think Shale can vouch for me is like bar none. But I think it's I think right now, if you don't have money, like you don't have a voice or or your your voice isn't going to be loud enough. Money these days is like a loudspeaker. So I can have the most intelligent, most well articulated arguments out there. But if no one sees it or hears it, what good will that do me? I think the other thing I've noticed is um, like. Like, okay, Twitter, for an example, is a great way for the Yang gang to, like, there, everyone has heard the message, you know, we, we reached far and wide. Uh, and there's not money we have to put behind that, right? But it only reaches the Yang gang. They're the only ones on Twitter that, like, that right. follow each other. So, right? so it's like screaming into a cave and hearing the echo. It's like... And, you know, and, and, yeah. and so we need something equivalent to Twitter in all these other platforms that exist, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the network isn't as passionate as the Yankee, right? Um, and, and so to uh, do things without money and to think in just a mindset like, okay, fuck it, I don't have money. What am I going to do, right? Uh, and, and then you get creative, right? That's what you have to do if you don't have it. So Yeah, I, I know, Faye, but, but, you know, like personally, it like pisses me off that so many people have like, shit tons of money and they just like throw it around on like stupid shit i always think that so if those like, are the I... people who will fund the super PAC, right 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 yeah, exactly so that's the people you ask for their i money. know i know we're all so angry so frustrated all the time but i mean let's get pragmatic and it starts with our thoughts okay right yeah. we don't think like oh i gotta trick this enemy of mine fuck them we really <laughs> gotta think how can i give this person what they legitimately want and legitimately helps them in a way that also helps me and my cause. And yeah, I, for sure. Not hard to do that. Yeah, I agree with uh, Shell on that. Um, 
I was about to say with the money thing, there is a kind of a point of diminishing returns because Bloomberg spent so much and he didn't even get close to the nomination. Frank, oh, I think yeah. Yang got closer. Um, like Bloomberg may have won more delegates. No, but- <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's about having the tools and doing the right things. Well, I said, I said before that it's, it's, it's about, I, I have, the message right and the articulation of the message right and bloomberg didn't have any of that because he he just had his arrogance and he just had his bravado and he he could not relate i have the opposite problem of bloomberg i can i i'm a good speaker i can relate i can get to know people and and everything and i and and the money part is missing so so bloomberg think of it as the opposite of me Mm -hmm. you know he had the money, but he didn't have the 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 people skills and the yeah. articulation skills. I have the people skills and the articulation skills, but I don't have the so money. So what you gotta do is so, take yeah. those people, people skills, skills to like billionaires who want a basic income. Just get you know, just a couple millionaires, billionaires, just a handful. Yeah, who will make just a super not pack to pull to fund that off by telling them they're spending their money on stupid shit. Yeah, yeah the messaging is with uh, in your heart. It has to be everyone, includes the millionaires and the billionaires who want to do something right. There are a lot of people who are wealthy and they want to do the thing and they don't have an opportunity to do okay. it. Okay, you know your audience. Quick, quick point. Like, yeah, you know, different. Like some, some want to oh, do good for the oh. sake of good. Some are afraid, but think the UBI is the best way to maintain the status quo for the rest mm-hmm. of their lives. That they don't get lynched, and there's some reality to that too. Yeah. So, so, can I want to make a point here, if you don't mind? I, I kind of, I hope I don't sound like I'm just throwing cold water on this, but um, I think if a billionaire or you know any wealthy person is going to fund a campaign, I think they're going to fund somebody whoever they think has the best chance at winning, and that means they're not likely to fund a relatively unknown person, unfortunately. You know, so right. I, I mean, I don't think super pack. Yeah, for, for not anyone in particular. But so how do you get known? This is the part I wanted I, to. I put don't in. know, and that's I that's, do, that's, I do. So the this money. Is, <laughs> it, no, this is, is how you get known. No, no, it's not. You don't get known by money. A lot of people do stuff with their money silently without any mm-hmm. recognition. Okay, mm-hmm. so the way you get known is you participate. In the pol- in the party, you have right. to go meet people face to face. So that means you go to your local uh, Democratic uh, meetings regularly. And then when they trust you, they will introduce you to somebody else. So they'll say, oh, we also have this other meeting. You go to that meeting, too. And then pretty soon you get to know everybody in the county. And then you're introduced to other people. And that's how you get known as somebody who's actually a party person. So like for me, even now, after maybe about a year of participating in different things, there are people who know me throughout the Senate district that I'm in. Okay. They remember me from one meeting that I showed up at and I gave every single person a handwritten card that was, you know, with my name and phone number on it. They may not have called me, but they sure remember the person that did that. Okay. Gave me a that's it. The simple mm-hmm. thing. And then the next time I showed up again, they're like, oh, she's still something. Now she's running for something. Yeah. And so that happens over a period of a long time. So you have to start doing that right now. And then you, you create this credibility that you're actually a party person. But people are telling me even now, they're like, well, the first time I talked to you, you said you would never vote for Biden. You would vote for anybody but him. You know, and so like uh, they don't quite believe that I'm a real <laughs> Democrat. And that's sort of the problem is that 
you know, we are not growing because the Democrats want real Democrats or the Republicans want real Republicans, mm -hmm. whoever, you know, it's not, you can't grow like that. You have somebody who is not your group to come join your group. So yeah, it's, it, it, this actually relates. You know? Yeah. Go yeah ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Are you finished? No, no. I, I just keep talking sometimes. Please. I mean, Rio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't cutting you off. If I could um, just real. Oh yeah. Sorry. Let me go on. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, part, part, part of the problem, and this does relate to like, why aren't the Yang gang Republican slash Trump supporters um, going out and running on UBI? Um, and that relates to this, to this issue of, of populism. Um, tr Trump's appeal is that he's saying, you know, the system's too hard. You guys have been banging against the system all this time and it's not gone anywhere. Um, and so what you need is you need a champion like me to come in who knows how the elites think I'm an elite, I'm rich myself, but I'm on your side. Right. And I'm going to knock down all of the impediments and I'm going to get it done. And that's very appealing. That's a lot more appealing than, you need to go to your local Republican meeting every day for, you know, or every week for, you know, 10 years, and then maybe you'll be able to run for city council. Right. And so um, uh, the, the sorts of people Yang was appealing to with his messaging so far are exactly the sorts of people who aren't going to run for office, especially in the Republican party. It's a lot of young um, men who are disenfranchised. Um, they don't have, Women and men are living apart more than ever now. Um, they feel very sexually frustrated. They're very angry. Um, they're, you know, some of them are living in their parents' basement, no judgment. But I'm just saying, like, these are not people who a billionaire is going to fund. Um, there is some truth to that, Zach. Mm -hmm. um, but if you build it, they will come. If you have a pro-UBI Republican PAC, qualified good candidates will come out of the woodwork and um, they will get they will get funding. In yeah, fact, I think there are people points. who believe in UBI and they just won't say it. They, they already believe it so in their too. hearts. I think so too. But again, yeah, it's, it's, they, there's not the environment where they feel safe saying it. The other thing is a lot of people who got the stimulus check, that's when they changed their mind. Like mm. I have friends that were highly against the UBI because they're <laughs> like, uh, no. And then they got it and they're like, oh man, I really could use another one. I'm like, <laughs> I'll tell you what actually did it for uh, my conservative friend who was flipped during this was Schumer and Pelosi taking issue with Trump wanting to give us money to begin with them being against it made his supporters that were on the fence for it. Yeah, and that it just made me more stalwart in my decision to not vote for Biden. Oh, yeah. I will not. No, I mean, I'm a lifelong Democrat, but I will not vote for the Democrats if they will occupy the progressive lane without being progressive. So, yeah. It passed uh, pass UBI to own the libs. I love it. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I, can, I can definitely message that. I, 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 can, I can be like a very populist, extremely populist. So uh, that's why I'm saying all I need is the funding. And then if that, that would allow me to have the loudspeaker and the targeting well, to you know, get the, the job done. I think the answer you got was that if you're good at populism, you should be able to take that to the people with the money and get the money that you need. Okay. Yeah. I just need to know where they are and uh, uh, the best way of messaging them. Okay, we'll get well, you a I list. Mean, yeah, I'm not saying that to take four or five or six years the older democrats will try to tell you those things things are changing the internet is kind of older people are literally not going to be here anymore because you know they're mm -hmm. getting older and so um it's it's time for that and i saw some of even east texas is voting for young people right now so you'll see if you show up 
the people will get you connected, but you have to be in the party to get connected to other party people to find out how this all works. You know, yeah, to that end, I was going to say, I think here's a good tactic for dealing with people who accuse you of failing a purity test of not being a real party man, a real party woman. Um, you say, no, you're right. I'm not. I am a populist, but I'm here to help you because I think that within the Republican paradigm or within the Democratic paradigm, there is a path forward that satisfies what I want and what you want. And I know you're frustrated and I know you're looking for new ideas. So please just give me a chance to earn your trust. I'm here to work with you. I'm your friend. You know, how about, so, uh, yeah. yeah. How about we get some of the people who actually participate in the Republican party um, events to come tell us what the differences are, because I believe they're different somehow, but I haven't gone to the other side to see what's going on. If I do, I don't know what's going to happen. Will they, will they accept me or will they reject me? Give Democrats me a chance. throw me out because I went to that meeting. You know, it's like crazy. We shouldn't be like this as a country. No, but let's find out what happens if you go to both. I really want to know. Uh, the sorts I, of people I'm who about ad- that next year. Yeah, the sorts of people who um, go to those sorts of meetings in either party actually tend to just be happy to see people show up, especially younger people. Um, so they're going to be welcoming. You know, they they'll argue with you about policy if you don't toe the line, but they'll be happy to see that you're considering being a Republican or a Democrat or wherever you are. Um, on the populist thing, that remember that said I said there were the two lines, right? That you have a, lines of attack, right? So if you're in a in a Trump supporting um, part of the Republican Party, your district, you definitely want to run the populist line, and you will get some people who back you as long as you're su- sufficiently pro-Trump. Um, and you'll also get regular voters. If that's one of the the pros of running as a populist is you might not be able to get as many billionaires because, frankly, calling yourself a populist is going to turn off rich people for the most part. Um, not all, but most. Um, but you will be able to get regular people to be able to vote for you to to, uh, to vote for you and to give you money. So, you know, so you can do the Yang thing and just get you know a thousand uh, regular Joes on Twitter who follow you on Twitter or whatever mm-hmm. um, to send you you know ten bucks a piece um, that could get you going. Um, if you're going to run in, an, in a more of a kind of moderate, never Trump um, Republican lane, um, then you're probably going to want to distance yourself from the populist movement a little more. You don't want to alienate it, but you're going to want to go for like the billionaire dollars and so forth, which in some ways is actually easier. It's easier to convince one or two people to give you money than, you know, a thousand or ten thousand. Yeah. I'd, we need I'd people like in talk. this caucus who will satisfy both sects within the Republican yeah. Party. And just, they're just different arguments, two different brands. I'm so glad we're having this conversation in these terms. It makes so much sense. Yeah. It feels empowering. And Eric doing some of this uh, great work because he talks to different people on his podcast, right? Or on your live stream, your show. Me or show? Ariel, you. Oh, oh. Oh, I, I have a I have a YouTube channel. And you speak to people of all political backgrounds. You don't say I'm only going oh, to talk to yeah, this group. Yeah, for sure. Right. Because because like I, I'm kind of like a former uh, Trump supporter that kind of woke up and I, I actually had I, I had and Zach knows this a long conversation with a new progressive voice. And then I said, actually, you know, when, when Trump won, well, not when he won, when he got inaugurated and, and in November and or, and people were going insane, like I, I, I was kind of tired of like Obama and the culture wars and like all these cultural issues. I was just getting so sick of it because my main problem was like 
problems with the economy and problems with jobs. And, and it seemed like the Democrats were only talking about culture problems instead of economic problems. So when Trump won, that made me happy. Uh, and then later on, you know, of course, now, like, I'm really disappointed and disgusted and nothing has really even changed for the better. So um, I can I can bring that message to people. And that and that's what I told the new progressive voice. I said, the only the only problem that I have with some people on the left is that they they, they want to get these cultural issues and and always want to argue about cultural issues and sometimes scream and yell and shout and that. But then Yang was the only one I saw like on the left who like kind of toned down the cultural issues and talked about these underlying economic problems and things like that. So that's when that that's when, of course, I went, it would, it was just natural to go from Trump to Yang. And I think that I can bring that message to a lot of Republicans who at first they saw Trump as that, uh, you know, guy who was going to go in for them. And, you know, you know, like Trump said, I see tremendous potential in this country. I remember one time and I just think it's a shame that we can't do something with that potential. And I agreed with Trump at that time, but the way he's going about it was wrong. Now, um, I saw like, but you get that you get what Trump says. I see tremendous potential and I want to do something with it. That's what a UBI is, not not a manufacturing job, not some random manufacturing job that an old white guy wants. You could put together a stump speech where you tie things Trump has said to support of UBI. That would be a good place to start. That'd be pretty awesome. His daughter what? has spoken about, um, his daughter has spoken about uh, not UBI, but about the fourth industrial revolution. And she, she actually uh, did not come didn't come out with a solution for it. She just talked about uh, Toyota maybe offering to tra- retrain people for the next uh, wave of uh, technology if they're going to need to move to machines. So retraining is is not a solution, but uh, they're already thinking about it. It's just not, you know. Right. I, I can I can get a lot of people like Fred Ramey. I don't know if you guys know Fred the Felon to, yeah. to back me up. Because because it's just like, it, like they'll, they'll see what, what it is. And I'm in that, you know, portion that even even if if you have money to like, you know, uh, uh, not have money, but but if you have like family supporting you, it's like you still want to go out and do something in the world. And even if you want to start your business or invest in yourself, a UBI is a great way to do that, because, of course, you know, people don't want to just be sitting home all day. And even even if they're getting support, it's like they want to catalyze their potential. And that's the kind of I want to bring to, you know, the people in like Silicon Valley, you know, or, or something, maybe they can, because it's like, maybe I can get some Silicon Valley tycoons to bankroll. How about you guys, Zach and Elizabeth? Uh, what if I asked you to run for Congress on the Republican side of the aisle? What would you say? What, would you give it serious consideration? Would you do it if you had the backing of a super PAC? Would you try to get money for a super PAC to back you? Uh, you, It'd you require know, a someday. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, know. it would be a today thing. But yeah, okay. I mean, this is right. a answer. I mean, like, it's not for everyone. No, don't mm-hmm. do it if you don't, if it's not for you, Zach. No, I'd be, op- I'd be open to it in the future, you know? And yeah, to be yeah. honest with you, I have, I have kind of like toyed around with the idea in my head, but it's not something. I hear you. Or but I mean, the time the time window is now to act. It's not yeah. a thing we can put off. 
But so Elizabeth, what would, how about you? Would you, could so you I, I've actually thought in the about near it, future, um, do it. Yeah. The congressman from my district was actually just up for reelection and I was seriously looking at that, but the window was already really gone for entering that race. Um, so yeah, I'd consider it. it. It'd require a talk with my fiance about how he thinks that might impact his job. Cause that's currently where all of our financial stability comes from. But that's great. I mean, it, I it also has on your uh, knee, honey. <laughs> the side effect of pushing, you know, some acceptance of some stuff that should be just generally accepted because I'm of the internet age. So my interests are pretty public, which is kind of a new thing. Yeah, let's push culture. They're, they're not going to shame you. The normal human things you've done in your social media life that's recorded it, and who cares? Good. So, Rio, um, do you go to the Wiccan Party um, events and uh, know all the people through that? Um, through that group? Not really. Um, I, I, at this point I'm working on, I've kind of given up on the Republican party for the time being, because I'm, I was one of the people who was pro establishment. Um, and so I'm actually really unhappy to see the party taken over by populists. Um, but you know, I, I kind of wanted to talk to the identity politics thing because part of the appeal of Trump for sure was that a lot of people saw that there were these wedge issues, which the establishment of both parties often uses, used to keep the working class divided. Um, and they thought that Trump was going to be the anti identity politics guy. But if you look at the way, and I think Ariel was touching on this, I, I think Ariel's right about this. If you look at the way he actually went about it, he didn't move us away from identity politics. If anything, he ratcheted it up. It's just that he's fighting the identity politics war on the other side now, right? It's about like, men um and who and women or i'm sorry men and white people and straight people are pushing back against all of that identity politics of the other side when in reality of course the way to move away from identity politics is to do what ariel said say like hey let's stop talking about this stupid stuff let's actually talk let's about let's talk about physical reality stuff. let's talk about the, right. the physical goods we have or don't have and how that empowers us or disempowers us does that yeah. matter mm-hmm. if you're republican or democrat not really let's let's <laughs> get that sorted yeah. friends right Yes. The thing is, everything is related to economics, you know, and I totally understand what Ariel was saying before. I felt the same way where the where the left was always talking about race when in reality, everything has to do with economics. But when economics are bleak, it exacerbates racial tensions, you Mm -hmm. know, so we could solve racial tensions or at least fix them you know and it might it's not going to be 100 percent. you know we're always going to have some underlying issues out there but if we fix the economics if we improve economics for individual people a lot of the racial tensions i think um, will mm-hmm. will go away i agree with that i i mean like even even like like as as someone running and being if i could be a visionary i mean didn't everybody like imagine america of the future where like you know we could have like flying cars or cure our diseases in like three minutes and you know explore different planets by now and you know you know all all this stuff that you you see like oh the world of the future star trek and and what do we have now like a virus that's killed a hundred thousand people uh uh, these tensions ratcheted up like crazy and anger and frustration and i mean like i like like i could speak to that and and a Mm -hmm. ubi will help us get away from this and more towards this kind of like you know world of the future and happiness and advancement 
instead I, of what we're seeing now. I think what we also need to address though is there's a psychological component into running, right? Like what are people going to think about me? What are they going to find on me? What are they going to lie about? You know, like you become um a I, target and that's I'm, intimidating for a lot of people, especially if Not to me. No, no, but that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like you, right? Uh, and and the, the people who want to make change, who, you know, could make fantastic change, maybe they have something in their history that doesn't look great. And they're like, well, Jesus, I guess this is going to come to light. But like, it, 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 like, our past mistakes are what people judge us by, right? You could have changed within a week. You're not the same person a week ago, a year ago, 15 years ago, 20, I don't care. Right. But they can dig that up. Right. That's what they do in politics anyway. And that's a big fear, you know. And then if you've never uh, done enough psychological work on yourself to handle that kind of attack, then you're instantly going to be, uh, you know, demotivated, demotivated. Right. And, And it's just like, how how could people do that? It's not worth it. Right. They just throw their hands up. And maybe they've already played out this whole scenario before even turning in an application to do the process. Right. And, and so like, you need to figure out how to get someone in the right mental headspace to even do this or have areas like ready for like people at the ready for this kind of attack, because really we need to protect the people who are our advocates, right? Because like, they're going to be attacked, right? And maybe they did go to jail. Maybe they went to prison or maybe, maybe they have an accusation that I know. I, I know. Okay. <laughs> no, we, we've already, we've also had, uh, we had talked uh, before about um, some other people who are running for office right now on UBI, for example, Burke Anderson out in Las Vegas. And, you know, some people are easily canceled in a sense because of things that they've might have done in the past. But um, we also agreed that uh, being brief enough to actually just, you know, go and do it anyway, because he was instrumental in getting uh, marijuana legalized. If he had not out and physically collected all those signatures that he did there, they would not have had enough to even get it on the ballot to be voted on. So uh, it's like, you know, you really do have to develop that thick skin, the you know, and say, we're going to do it anyway. I hate to change the topic a little bit, but I was trying to get to Rio uh, in the sense of if you have been to the Reparty uh areas, I would like to know if they're bringing in all these younger generations that are missing from my democratic meetings. So when I come to Yang Gang, I'm sort of the older one. And when I go to those meetings, uh, two generations behind me are missing. I'm the youngest in the room besides Zephyr, who's six. <laughs> so so I'm like, where, where are all the dem- young Democrats? Is that happening to the Republican Party also? Is it just I mean, everybody doesn't want to be part of party politics anymore? Yeah, par- party local party meetings are not sexy, fun things. It's way more fun to go to a party or go to a bar, right? Um, so there is a problem with getting young people to participate in local party politics in both parties. Absolutely. Um, I-, I wanted to, to clarify when I said given up on the Republican Party. I mean, while it's on its current trajectory, I would love nothing more than to see, frankly, both parties move in the direction of the humanity first platform that we both all of us sort of some degree or another. Um, and so I'd be really happy to, to see that happen. 
what kind of things could we create outside of a political system that would help be a foundation you can step into? Like, what could we do outside of politics without all these restraints and issues? Like, what could we do to help people who want to just step into roles and not have to figure out the framework for it, right? Because what the framework is now, it needs to be changed, right? And it's the whole build it, they will come thing, right? In my mind, like all we have to do is create something people can step into, but I don't, I don't know how to accomplish that in parallel to politics. Cause we just need to have like an assistant program that also helps with um, like uh, accountability, right? We don't have accountability in so much, right? Uh, we don't trust the like sources that used to be accountability. You know, we used mm-hmm. to have uh, news channels we could trust, right? But we don't trust them no more, right? We're all nope. like, uh, and then nope. we have these platforms like the Yang Gang Roundtable that provides a platform where we do talk about it and we get to the nitty gritty and we're not having like these social barriers like, oh, you're a Congress guy, I can't talk to you. Well, mm. realistically, we should be having these conversations in a safe environment. But um, yeah. I guess what are your ideas about something that could work parallel to politics? I mean, honestly, I think we need to swim with the stream, not against the stream. I'm, I'm, I, I, be, I believe that um, it's a self-defeating idea to pit yourself against the establishment. I think that you should goal should be the establishment, um, and you kind of have to play the game to do that. And there's no shortcut, unfortunately. Um, well, it's just going to pick work. I mean, I guess maybe like a parallel of people who work with people in the establishment. Oh, okay. They, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like they work together alongside each other, but um, it's more balanced, right? Right now it's so it's, out of balance. It's kind of like that independent expenditure super PAC thing is that they're kind of paralleling the campaign, but they can actually be, can't actually have communications in some ways. It's very strange. But uh, I think politics is so much more than voting or even doing these parties. I mean, everything you do, in a sense, uh, if you engineer a new solution, that's political, right? Mm -hmm. Because you could change, you could fix a problem by engineering, changing the paradigm, how we just do things. So uh, people like uh, Twitter or people working on Twitter or these Zoom platforms and things like that are changing the world without being in politics necessarily. I'm sure they're also donating and stuff, but. Um, but the engineering is something that you can do. Um, but also, uh, I think that Rio is uh, still talking about something a little bit old fashioned when you stop right now, because right at this moment, we've got people who are wanting to bring a physical revolution. We mm. just had in the last mm. podcast, a lady come tell us that it doesn't matter who's the mayor. It doesn't matter who's the president. It doesn't matter who you elect. So it, all of the elections, all the voting that you're doing is actually useful the only thing that's useful is real action in terms of protesting, putting your body on the gears and stopping the machine from rolling over us and uh, some of this stuff, which is revolutionary in a different way than Ariel wants to see a revolution happen, right? So sure. go ahead, Zach. Sorry. Yeah, she was so, on just five hours ago to clarify. Yeah. So so on that point, I, I you know, I was actually going to uh, suggest anyway, but this is just kind of piggybacks onto that perfectly. What do you guys think about starting a brand new party? I, like a oh, that's party. another possibility. High party yeah. because I mean, you I know, I think someone uh, already did. Yeah, someone. I think there is somebody working on this. I forget the name of it, but that would kind of be a bit of a revolution. You know what I mean? It would satisfy the urge 
of people who want a revolution. There's a lot of people who are pissed off at the two party system. And there's also, you know, we have this, this nonpartisan movement going on that could really attract people from both sides. And I think if there's any point in our history where there is an opening for a third party that has the right candidates in place, the right message, I think now is that opportunity. There yeah, is a the great video. Is if there's um, enough time. There's a great video by, um, I think it's by Rising uh, Crystal Ball and Cigar. I can't think of his last name, but um, on what makes a, a third party succeed or fail. And uh, it really, the secret seems to be nonpartisanship. Like if it's an alternative Democratic Party, it'll eventually be reabsorbed into the Democratic Party. If it's an alternative Republican Party, it will be reabsorbed into the Republican Party. So if you want a third party, the start, I think, is still independent populist coalitions that want the same things on both sides of the aisle. And, and then if they get, if they get blocked, if it makes more sense tactically to go to a third party for some reason, that's the move. I think that's where it starts. So many different people have worked on a third party over the entire history of our, of our, um, you know, yeah. our nation. And I've known some really, um, you know, people who are, also Democrats or also Republicans who've said, we really do need this third party. I'm going to join this third party. But then we've got, you know, the Justice Party, the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, and I don't know what everybody's running at, the socialist parties. And the people who jump out, you know, we can't agree on one. And so we can't get one with enough momentum to win anything that, uh, that makes us feel like this is now, you know, a, a real legitimate and really... Uh, we can actually elect people. So what yeah. do we do about that? Well, I mean, uh, historically, third parties, because of the way that our electoral system works, it's winner takes all, first past the post, you've got the electoral college, you've got a lot of issues that make it very difficult for a third party to win. Um, because of that, historically, when third parties have managed to take power, they did it by supplanting one of the two parties, and then you go into a new two-party dynamic. Um, when, when you need a coalition of at least 50% of the population, that's uh, going to involve bringing together people who don't all agree about the same thing. That's going to involve creating a coalition of, for example, social liberals and socialists and Green Party people, which is kind of the Democratic Party coalition, or like you know, libertarian, free market capitalists, and traditional uh, religious social conservatives, which is the Republican coalition. You kind of have to, to build a coalition. Yang Yang and Humanity First alone probably won't be big enough to supplant either of the major parties. That would be my... And, and frankly, also, I think it would be easier to take over one of the parties than it would to supplant it. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if the, the, the Trump movement wanted to rename the Republican Party the America First Party, that would be kind of more analogous to what's more historically realistic. Well, here's mm-hmm. another path forward, perhaps a slower one. Imagine humanity forward slowly but steadily taking people from the Republican and Democratic Party in approximately equal measure until at about the same time, it's as big as both of them. That would be another way, right? Okay. I just had an idea just now. How about we, what if instead of starting a third party, we start the third and fourth parties? The third party to grab people from the Democrats and the fourth party to grab people from the Republicans. So they can stop saying that we're only going yeah, after that one might be other. smart too. Yeah. And then eventually That's- take those third and fourth parties and say, Hey, we're running candidates together. All right. Watch us do it. So just kind of allowing the split in the Yang gang that's happened naturally to formalize into two different humanity first parties. Right. And then, uh, but, but having that sort of joint, uh, you know, 
starting with uh, humanity first or something that kind of uh, shows the, our unity between, uh, between these two groups um, and then say, hey, um, our, our, our job is to go after this group and bring people in. Then they can say, okay, you're not just, uh, you're not just here to, after us. You actually have a reason that, you know, something that, well, you guys get it. I just keep talking sometimes. <laughs> I, I, my, my, my opinion is I personally think that it would be more effective to focus on um, getting people elected who support UBI in both of the existing parties. That's the direction that I would recommend we try to go. Cause I think it's easier. And because of the way that our representative system works, um, Really, honestly, just having like a dozen people in Congress who support UBI would would become like a snowball effect because once they're there, they have the ear of all their colleagues. And then it's a lot easier to persuade somebody who's already in Congress to back a right. UBI than it is to replace them with a primary candidate. So what we need to do is we need to get people like Yang, as he would be in a Biden administration, for example. We need to get people who support UBI in places of power in the establishment to have the ear of people of power, because then Yang could go around or, or whoever it is, you know, when candidate A or B or Herzog or whomever could go around and persuade all of their colleagues um, to do that. So if we were to, I, 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 if we were to do that third and fourth, we could do like humanity forward, progressives, humanity forward, conservatives. Stop saying we're a Trojan horse. We're just straight out going to tell you, this is what we're about. Yeah. Well, there is, it's important that we get momentum. I think that's the bottom line here. Well, I mean, right now we have it. So it's important we capitalize on it. Right now, what's happening has given us a, a giant amount of momentum and a giant argument in our favor. Like we're seeing the need for UBI played out globally. We're frankly, we're seeing the existence of wage slavery laid bare to everyone. Um, we just need to actually use this moment. So what about those uh, other movements that are not necessarily um, a cons- like either Democratic or Republican? Uh, what about the poor people's movement? Is that something that is co- connected only to one party or is that something everybody can join? I mean, uh, I think the answer like to that. The co- poor people's campaign, you know, right, right. is that something that's only Democratic or only Republican? Yeah, that's what we need. We need a, we need a nonpartisan, we have, we have a nonpartisan movement. Um, that backs a set of ideas um, and that needs to work to elect people into every level of government using the existing system. Um, and, and so that's what we, what we would end up becoming. We're a, we're a, we, we need to be like a think tank um, and a movement. And the fact that we have people from our movement in both parties already is actually an advantage. That's a good thing. We just have to figure out how to capitalize it. That would be my, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys don't have to do what I'm saying, but that would be my advice. So part of that's where I have a question. How do you bring his policies to a more local level? Because things like a UBI is good nationally, it's good at the state level, but it's not really something I can bring to like the county supervisor board meeting and say, you guys need to implement this because they're a county. They can't. Well, like uh, Alaska, as Yang points out himself, has something like a UBI. They have it. They have the oil dividend. Yeah. Look at the state (laughs) level. It makes sense. I'm even at city level, you could do it. I'm not. I'm not necessarily suggesting that um, that we implement UBI through, like you know, the mayor of a city. Although there are cities that are that are experimenting with things like that. No, it's more like um, you know, it's a lot easier to get a uh, somebody elected to Congress than it is to get a president elected, for example. And I think Shale was spot on when he said, like, look, even if we got Yang in the presidency, if he didn't have enough people in Congress who were willing to go along with it, it you know. It, then yay, we got our guy elected, but it's not actually going to result in anything. 
Well, I've been uh, working with some of the Democratic candidates that work out uh, that are in, in East Texas, and um, they have been saying things like um, they don't necessarily want to uh, push particular policies and be um, attacked for them because, you know, those are not um, their primary goals. And being a politician is, you know, there's like you need to bring everybody with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, East Texas is kind of different from a lot of places, but then similar to other places that are like us, where we have um, a lot of conservative people who still want to do well by people. Right. We, we want pe- to see people taken care of, but we just don't believe that the government can do it anymore. So mm-hmm. whenever something bad happens, we go to the church or we go to a community, like people do those things for themselves and they don't expect the government to show up because we've been so, so neglected and for so long, like politicians show up to campaign here. So, um, so some of the beliefs that we have, right, are, are, are standing in the way of wanting to have any sort of political action, like well, doing politics also is a waste of time, you know? Faye, you yeah, there's a all- weird oddball idea. Yeah. What if we, I mean, I'm not even sure if I completely love the ethics of this, but what if, uh. What if we just like went to those churches and like, hey, man, I know the deal. I know the score in this part of the country. You call the shots. You determine what Republicans win. I want you to be pro UBI. I'm going to make you like the office where people receive a UBI debit card. People are going to love your church. I mean, we could play the game. So we Mm. can't do politics at church, supposedly. So uh, we can. That caught, caught, right? we churches can that are caught doing specific do things that are political are uh, are afraid of losing their church status. So, uh, uh, um, and yet they, they do it uh, anyway, right? Because they yeah, give uh, Stephen, moral Stephen Brower. Yes, Stephen Brower's. Uh, I think it's his last name. Um, but yeah, he's a pastor and he's the head of Yang Gang Christian. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's a way to do it in good faith too, I suppose. It's just like, it just seems to me, I'm just biased against the idea of like, the church pretty much controlling the vote in a part of a country, this country, I, you know, <laughs> it's a hard pill to swallow, but I mean, yeah, that's the game that wins in places. Maybe that's the game we should be playing. Um, well, it is where you're going to find the most physical gathering of people outside of things like sport, sporting events and other like collective, you know, concerts and stuff. So, uh, I mean, wherever people gather tend regularly is church. Right. Um, but then you, you have all these other gathering spaces that um really yeah like maybe they should be a little more targeted uh, well they're they're the leaders in the moral uh like the they they're the centers of moral action and so when a tornado hits the church is the one that steps up when a uh, when the coronavirus came the church stepped up and they did something called neighbors helping neighbors so we should just be working just with one, the church it's many so so Are maybe already- instead of taking it directly to the church, what could be done, because I agree that's morally shady as heck, mm-hmm. um, is to find their volunteer efforts and volunteer to join them in those efforts and talk about this shit while you're doing that. Yeah, yeah that's what I try to that's, do, that's, too. That's, that's I'm volunteering in a lot of places. our way into the church. Yeah, the lack of faith in government is part of it, and that um, tends to motivate um, hostility toward government within the the populist left wing of the of the Republican Party. Um, the right wing um, of the Republican Party, actually, just ideologically, this is more like where I come from, is just very skeptical of government. We don't actually like big government. We want government to be small and as much out of our lives as humanly possible. Um, but there are also ways of making pro UBI arguments to those sorts of people too. Um, so w- what I would recommend we do is that we have a, a an interest group, a movement with a couple of packs, 
supporting Republicans and Democrats and giving people advice, people who are interested in running for office advice on how to do it. And um, uh, I think it was Zach, to Zach's point, once you have a PAC, you could also just use that to lobby people who are already in Congress in both parties as well, which is frankly just as important. I mean, if our goal is, if our goal is to get it passed, you know, electing people is just a means to an end. It's just a tool. It's, we don't necessarily have to do that. We just have to persuade enough people who already have power. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I wanted to touch on something uh, you guys are talking about. Okay, so a uh, little family history real quick. Uh, my family is well known in the cur- uh, church community. Okay, Washougal, Washington, that's where they live. Okay, so uh, my grandpa has a list of all these churches, right? And he even has like some of the services they have. And of course, it's like he's 80 something. So it's all like, <sighs> I love my grandpa, but he's not tech savvy. Okay, anyway. <laughs> So, uh, like, there there are lists that exist of all these churches in an area, right? And so I had an idea, and I talked to my grandpa about it, and I was like, you know, what would it be like if these leaders of these churches all did a Zoom call, right? And they all mm-hmm. talked about the resources they could reallocate, because that's what government is about anyway, right? It's reallocation of resources. Uh, and churches have the resources. That's where the collection spot is, one of the collection spots, right? Um, and, and, and so I was like, what, what if we get these people to talk and then maybe we even get them to talk to political figures and like how to like utilize these networks that already exist. Right. But not all churches talk to each other. Right. Um, and that's a problem because you might have tons of resources here and this one's open and nobody's finding it. And it's got like, uh, like there's hundreds of people here and not enough food. This one has all the food and not enough people collecting it. What's really happening in Washington, Washington, because like they work at a place uh, that's like just a thrift store, right? But they also give out food boxes. My grandpa collects it from like a closed, or you know, like extra food from Safeway gets put here and then families collect. And he was noticing the numbers rising, right? Well, when Corona hit, they, they're like, does no one know we're open? <laughs> does no one know that we have all this like food and stuff? And he didn't know how, to distribute this right because he's 80 and he doesn't understand technology and connection networks that can exist love him to death but anyway so like what needs to happen on a bigger level though i think is like other cities need to find their churches get a zoom call get them talking and like it'll solve itself right like we create these networks that already exist but then there's other networks that are like non-religious, but very similar to church. And it's called Sunday Assembly. Okay. So Sunday Assembly, they have the music, but you might be talking about dirt and how we are dirt when we die, you know, like, uh, and like nutrients, blah, blah, blah. But you learn more about like uh, the way um, the world actually is and things you can do. And like, you know, uh, and if, if we can have a safety like area where these people meet, the non-religious because they have their ideals and the religious and have parallels, right? The, the, the structure, the framework's the same. Uh, it's just one doesn't want to prescribe to a religion, um, but wants to have that gathering space. They don't really have that, right? There's not enough the Sunday assemblies that exist. So like a mixed faith community center? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, it does all the things that a church does because I, I, I'm no longer religious. And uh, one of the hardest part was like, I'm no longer part of a church. Like it was disheartening. Like, oh, I just cut myself off from something that was like a support network, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's no non-religious support networks that exist unless, you know, you go. Oh, sure there are. Look, at, look behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying there are. Um, there's fewer. Yes. 
Uh, it's fewer. It doesn't have enough power. Not enough people even know they exist, right? When when you're dealing with religious people in the Republican Party, you're going to have to. You're going to be pushing up against the um, the gospel, the prosperity gospel issue. Explain. Um, yeah. And so uh, evangelical Republican um, voters tend to be more motivated by things like um, abortion or um, uh, opposition to same-sex marriage. That's where the the wedge issues, culture war thing has benefited the establishment of the GOP by dividing working class people, right? So if you're, when you're dealing with the prosperity gospel, it's not going to be the same as if you're talking to, you know, like a, a more left-leaning church that is, you know, we got, we got to help the poor, right? It's a very different conversation. It's, well, if you're poor, it's because, you know, you're not favored by God. Um, so you're going you, it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. That's uh, actually I think something I, have I wish Jacqueline was here. She has think, a lot to say about that prosperity gospel issue. Right. So here's um, how we handle it, right? Lean into the narrative. The prosperity gospel will come to fruition for every American when we have basic income. Like we that. need this. We push it on the church in that way with all sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so I think that, would, yeah. that wouldn't it persuade everybody. But it would that really America as a country people. is not as prosperous as it could be because we, have, we don't have God's favor because we are treating these people like shit. Prosperity doctrine is ours now. But the other thing too is like uh, when I was here in Iowa trying to help campaign, there was this idea we had that we would just call uh, church leaders, right? I even went inside of a church and hanged out, handed out Yang bucks. Okay, I felt very conflicted being in there, like pushing politics, right? But uh, the interesting thing was that, like, um, you know, it wasn't something they had even heard of, right? And, and like here, here I'm talking to the pastor, you know, like, oh, I'm an activist, and blah blah blah, like, um, but you know that that like. Being non-religious in a church was its own battle for me to even step through there because, like, I had given up this particular uh, doctrine um, because I don't align with it. But I'm hey, I do that with yeah, I do that all the time. I go to different churches. Anybody who invites me to their church, I see it as a social group, and I go, I sit, I am, I'm, I am uh, respectful. I do everything that everybody is asking me to do, and I get a chance to socialize with them at lunchtime. And that's that's activism. What you're doing is great. That's that's what we need. We need more people getting into different groups that they're not comfortable with. You know, that is not your group. You have to be take that brave step of saying, I'm going to be the one that's going to step out of my comfort zone. Go be in your group and and see what happens. You know, let let them get a chance to get to know you. Yeah, there's also something to be said for all of us just availing ourselves of the groups we are in. Right. Because we all know people who don't know about UBI yet. Right. Um, so we're, Yang Gang is a large enough group of people that if we all persuaded 10 people in our inner sanctum, and frankly, it's easier to persuade people than that than in another group, right? Not to disagree with you, Faye, obviously reaching out to other groups is also important, but if, even if we all just worked on persuading people within our own inner circles, which are wildly different from each other because we have such a diverse movement, that would go a long way. So people who feel like they can't run for office, just make it your goal this month to persuade 10 close friends and family um, to back candidates who support UBI. Even if nobody's running supporting UBI in their area yet, you'll plant a seed. And then when somebody does, they're more likely to vote for them. This is probably your strongest argument for me running. Cause I think I am out of people in my circle that I have not at least explained it to. If I haven't outright yanked them, I can't think of anyone besides my father. I haven't outright yanked yet. 
<laughs> you should and totally it's run. Sometimes harder to yang your own people or to talk politics with people that you really care about because you don't want to ruin those relationships. So it's not necessarily easy to do, even though you would think so. Yeah, no, my father actually spent that conversation for, ruining for months, that relationship. And months, and months. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish you could have heard some of the uh, the political conversations me and Moto had before, long before starting the show, because you know he was number one, absolute Bernie, burn super diehard only Bernie, and I was like Yang number one, Bernie number two, <laughs> and he's like no no no, but so you and know that, that was the argument. We yeah, well yeah well he's a lot he's so one of my best friends in, in my entire life. So yeah, <laughs> but uh, we've had so many conversations. It can be so hard to to I, I've found I've never actually Yanged anyone very close to me except like my huh. brother i guess but he wasn't ever opposed it was not a fight he just learned about it he's like oh yeah, sounds good sounds good but he's not very blue um shale a good example of how diverse the yang gang is so there you are with you had bernie sanders as your second choice i would have been never bernie had he had I the know. nomination yeah. <laughs> you know same and yeah we policy. both had yang as our first choice how cool is that and i bet i bet ubi is not the only policy we agree on too yeah. no it's not i'm sure it's very cool <laughs> Well, the thing about Yang's policies is he hits on such a human level, you know, like, he's like, hey, by the way, if I was to like, think about if I lived in maybe, you know, Iraq, what kind of policies would I want to live under too? Like, I probably would have grown up with a different set of values, but I still want these as my, you know, because you would be raised with whatever environment you were in, right? And then like, no, no, it doesn't matter what environment I came from. Like, this is like useful in more than just our country this is worldwide we should have this stuff right he wasn't just thinking locally he wasn't thinking about the individual he saw um like the world as an organism that needs to work together right and he's like by the way it's not possible because you know like we've been growing up in our little tribes right and like they keep bumping into each other because we're just covering the whole planet at this point right to recognize that we are different you know funguses uh like getting on a thing <laughs> hey by the way we're all on the same organism and we all need to work together and if we take too much here you know it might kill something over here but we don't because we aren't part of it we aren't living in it you know like it doesn't matter to us but realistically what happens on the other side of the world affects us we just don't care to think about it so who has had success persuading people in their inner circle elizabeth did you said you had could you just speak oh. to what worked for you <laughs> God, wildly. Um, frankly, what I've found more luck with than the automation as an argument is to go back further to the, well, we've lost the right to the common lands. We like, I can't, I can't go sustain a life on the land because it's legally not allowed for me. I have to work. That is, it's explaining wage slavery to them and then explaining how to break that with UBI and how that would free people. And if you can make it, if you can make the argument from a place of furthering freedom, it's way more successful with conservatives. It's probably why I have a harder time with the left than the right. Cause I can make that argument much more easily. Huh? Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Another one that works is uh, if you're dealing with the sorts of conservatives who think that we already have too much taxes, right? And one thing that I'll hear people say is they'll say, 
well, why not just let people keep their own money then, right? So <laughs> my, my go-to re- response to that is, I hear you. I agree. I also pay too much in taxes. I would like it to go to zero. But let's be honest. We both know that's not going to happen. The basis of both parties don't want to, to lose their Medicare and their Social Security. We still need to fund schools. It's just like as much as we want it, it's not going to happen. So rather than make the perfect the enemy of the good, I say this. How would you guys like to have, you know, it's usually I'm talking to a couple um, how would you guys like to have $24,000 off of your tax bill every year? And then they think like, boy, that would like cut my tax right. bill in half. That'd be the biggest tax cut that I've ever had. And if you frame it that way, then they suddenly start to see it as benefiting them. And you say, is it really socialist to give you your own money back? And then they think, um, right. and then you say, well, if that's what it takes to do it. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, the, 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 the one I would want to launch right into after that is, you know, anyone with even a nominal stake in the free market is going to do better when there's no bun, when there's no one with nothing, because yep. having nothing is very expensive for everyone. Mm-hmm. As long as people have just the threshold to participate in the market, wow, a bunch more people are going to participate in the market. And if you have even a nominal stake in the market, you're one of the people that that already is making okay money. You're going to do better, even better, a lot better. Well, so right. one of and, the other and arguments, if, and, is- and here here is if money is speech, then we all have a right to some speech. Yeah, that's a beautiful, and I will say way to frame it. One of the other arguments I've had very good success with is join them in pointing out the flaws of our current safety net. They really enjoy doing that, and yes. it's accurate, and it's a good reason to implement a UBI is to replace that bullshit. And come to them say, "My friends, let's uproot this corrupt, oppressive, disgusting system once and for all, and replace it with something that works." You will have them. They will love you and we will work with them. It'll be good. I suspect um, that my friends and family are a little different than the ones that Elizabeth and Rio are talking to. <laughs> like I said, I have an easier time arguing to the right of me than the left of me. Zach has been trying to raise his hand and say something for a few minutes. I was going to make the same point that Elizabeth just made, but I got another one. Um, you know, we just experienced during this crisis, people found out firsthand that, we really can't be all too dependent on our jobs. You know, one thing a lot of people on the right like to say is we don't want people dependent on the government, which is true. But um, we also can't be solely dependent on our jobs. What UBI is, is a way to di- diversify income streams for people. And if you ask any successful hedge fund manager how it is they're successful, you know, how how uh, how come their portfolio succeeds year after year It's because they have a diversified portfolio. So, I mean, we would become more dynamic, more flexible as a society because there's going to be another pandemic. If we have we could have a war, we could have a, a, a major um, climate crisis. You know, there will be some kind of disruption in the future to the economy. No doubt about it. We just don't know what it will be or when yeah. it will happen. But when it does happen. If people don't have all their eggs in one basket in terms of their income, society as a whole will be able to better handle that crisis. So we can bounce back better. I would like to actually touch on that a little bit. So, um, you know, uh, I'm part of some like entrepreneurial Facebook groups, right? And they always post these like motivational whatevers, right? And they're like, uh, and the speeches, they're like, you got to fail nine times out of 10, you know, like your 10th uh, venture is what's going to bring you money, right? And uh, we don't, we can't afford to start 10 different ideas when you got nothing, right? Like you could do one idea and maybe that works. And uh, like you put all your like eggs in that basket. Pushing it. 
and 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 so like uh what you better have gotten lucky, you know, if you don't have a ground to even fall back onto, like, okay, well, if I expect to fail, you know, like I could put all that money into this and see how it goes, you know, like, and then expect it to fail. And you're like, all right, what did I learn from this? Okay. And then I like take all that knowledge to phase two or phase three and, you know, all these different ideas. But like when we have just like leaning on one business, you know, and maybe that's their, their second fail and you happen to be on that failure train, you know, like, but why do they fail? You know, sometimes it's just people don't have money to invest in it. I collected, I don't know how many business cards of people that I wish I could give them money for their stuff because I thought it was cool. I collected and held on to this business card for 10 years. Maybe they're not even a business anymore, but I never had the money to spend on them or any like point in my life where I could justify spending on this like small business, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe they've gone on to their 10th like business now. And like, I missed my opportunity because I couldn't even invest when I wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. that's what UBI yeah. helps provide. If you're yeah. an entrepreneur, how many customers simply cannot afford your service and how many more would if they just had a basic income? Yeah. I know so I double- would use more services. Sorry to, to double down on what Zach said. Um, yeah, the thing about capitalism that's so the best thing about capitalism, the really freeing thing about it, is that the only way to have economic liberty that we've ever discovered as a species is to have independent wealth. If you don't have independent wealth or capital, right, then you are going to be a slave to somebody, your government or your job, somebody, right? Only independent wealth gives you the freedom to decide how you want to spend your time, when you want to spend your time. It doesn't mean that you're not going to work. Plenty of people who have passive income still have jobs, right? It just mm-hmm. means that you have the freedom to negotiate for better pay at your work. You have the freedom to switch careers if you want to without worrying about like whether, you know, keeping the lights on and, and uh, keeping your health care and so forth. Um, so this is actually, uh, in my opinion, I think that UBI it would, would result in the golden age of capitalism. You, where you, you can't be a capitalist without capital. Agreed. So yeah. that's absolutely where I would think is uh, it's all about the economic justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what Elizabeth was saying worked for her to talk about economic justice. But I'm having problems where when I talk to friends and family, uh, here's one thing that happens. Uh, Faye is the weird one. And so only Faye is saying this, uh, you know, so uh, let's we don't have to listen to her because she's just one person. So it helps me <laughs> that I found a group that also will say it with me but I need you guys to like show up at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, It's not going to work like <laughs> me at the dinner table. They'll always think I'm alone. And then second of all, I have this other problem, which is uh, that when you talk about uh, money, okay. And how money works the way that it actually does work. Nobody believes me when I tell them how it actually works. I, I think we have these ideas about how things work and they are not actually how things work, but you can't, uh, you can't get past them. Like, I can't even get past the fact that, you know, money is created when people go to borrow money. So, you know, like even that simple fact, people don't get it. Like, I'm trying to talk to people and they say, well, what does that have to, that's, oh, I've heard these things, for example, that's above my pay grade from the other Democrats in my county. People who've been doing this for a long time and should have been thinking about economic issues for a long time, literally don't know how money works and uh, much less my own family or, you know, just some random person. So, yeah. Um, Another point I want to make uh, is that there's also this false dichotomy out there where you have uh, some people that say, 
it's all about trickle-down economics and then the Yang Gang, we're kind of talking about bottom-up, trickle-up. But I mean, the left in general has generally been talking about more bottom-up style economics for a long time now. Truth is, though, that's a false dichotomy. They both work. And the thing is, you got to do them together. You know what I mean? So we do not... If you want to convince Republicans to uh, get behind UBI, you do not have to convince them that trickle down economics doesn't work because it's all it's all they both help improve the center, you know, the middle class. Um, so yeah, supply, supply and demand. You need yeah, both. Right. I'd love to comment on that a little. The, the way in which trickle down economics can work, if it does at all, is only when the labor market. Uh, has every individual who participates um, acting as a real agent of their labor. That means they really have the power to refuse a job if it is exploitative. Right. And if uh, you know, perhaps a majority of Americans don't have that, the whole system, the whole economy doesn't work. If we all must take every job we can, then we're easily exploited by the owner class and management. So a UBI solves that problem, preserving capitalism. Totally. Yeah, just be aware of the fact that owners and and managers might be a minority of the population, but they also have a lot of power, and you don't need to alienate them. I'm not trying to alienate them. It's just that, you know, how how many, well, uh, look, what's the alternative? Say, yeah, we'll let you oppress us. Just keep oppressing. Just keep keep taking, taking, (laughs) taking. I mean, like at some point, you have to do take a stand and say, yes, you're very powerful, but we've got to start taking back from you. It's too much. We don't have any more to give. Well, I would just say, like, your message should be it, change your message based on who you're talking to. I wouldn't use that. That's a better way. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. How can you help me? Help me reframe what I just said in a, in a more uh, tactical way. Um, I, I, rather than, well, I, instead of saying us versus them, um, and, 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 you know, what, uh, Zach said that, like, the left does bottom up. That's not entirely true. If you go far enough left, then you get really authoritarian, tanky commies, and those sorts of people are mm-hmm. pretty top down. If you think about it in a way, um, I think that just reveals yeah. the false dichotomy of the entire thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I that so what Zach's Zach's right. What you say is a healthy economy needs to be stimulated from both sides. It needs to have a supply side stimulus and a demand side stimulus. It doesn't matter how much supply there is in the market. In fact, actually, if you have too much supply in the market relative to demand, that's going to drive prices down, which is actually not good for the capitalist class, right? So you, 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 you just tell them if you have some stimulus from the bottom up, which is fair, and I like to point out, you know, right now we have an equal floor. Everybody has a $0 floor for capitalism. If you made that an equal floor where everybody has a $1,000 floor, that's still equal and fair. And it's actually more fair than the tax and spend welfare state that we have now because that system actually traps people in on welfare. You know, that's a right. mouthful. That's, that's how I would yeah. talk to an economic conservative. Well, my brain, we that's that let's conceptually we're leveling up capitalism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would like to compare this to um, let's talk about relationships. OK, because um, in a sense, uh, we are in an abusive relationship with some corporations, right? Like we don't have a say we have to do because they're the breadwinner, essentially, because they're the ones giving us the money that we can spend. OK. So, so like in a relationship, there's like this middle ground that's enough, right? Okay, like that's when everybody's happy, both parties, right? Um, and then you have a spectrum over here where maybe it's too much love, right? And then you start having avoided behavior because you're like, I can't even handle this, right? But on this other end, 
maybe you don't have any love. Like you're like you're so depressed because you're so lonely and it's like a survival need. Like I'm gonna just be desperate because the moment I get something, I'm gonna like launch on it, right? Maybe maybe you uh, too much, right? So uh, like, where's the balance? Uh, it, you know, what is enough? We don't know what enough is. We've never really thought, okay, what's the best case scenario if we do have UBI, right? That That's at one end of the spectrum. And then you have like, what's the worst case scenario if we don't have UBI, right? But in the middle, it's like, okay, what's the best case scenario if we, um, like, wait, what's the worst case scenario if we uh, get UBI, right? We don't even think about what's the worst case if we start, right? We're not even measuring that. And then you add, what is the best case if we don't get UBI? And actually, that's where we are right now, right? Do we like where we are right now? Okay, let's let's just put this into perspective, put some parameters on here, and really dictate where we need to be. And like, and like, what's worth the risk of pursuing? Should we give the UBI thing at least a year so we could study it and see how it fixes the problem or doesn't fix the problem, right? We don't even have like a scientific, like, try it. Does it work? Do we need to make some tweaks? Like, you know, do we evolve this idea or we throw it out and try something new? We don't even allow that, right? Well, people really are gatekeeping the UBI because they believe if we pass the UBI that the entire society will fail immediately. There are people who really believe that you're just going to destroy the entire idea of the economy because, you know, everybody's getting money now. For them, it's so ridiculous that just talking about it makes them uh, immediately shut down. You can't even get to the second piece of it. Yes, Zach, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. I'm just raising my hand for after you're done talking. So. Oh, please go ahead. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm always like just to... going. Yeah, no, no. Um, so, uh, all right. So what would happen if we have, have UBI and, and Faye before you, uh, Faye D, before you're talking about the uh, abusive relationship we have with our, our bosses, right? And um Faye, you kind of just the other Faye, you just kind of touched on this too in a, a little bit. Um, so if we had UBI, what would happen? And <laughs> I volunteered to be thing, the other other Faye. <laughs> the other other Faye. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one common thing that you often hear is, well, what happens if people just don't want to work anymore? Right? What happens if they don't want to work? You know, um, to that I say, so what? That would actually be a good thing because supply and demand you would be basically lowering, uh, decreasing the supply of workers out there, which means wages will go up. So, I mean, it will improve that Im- abusive relationship we have with some employers in a bit, you know? I mean, and, and Trump kind of ran on making wages increase in this country. You know what I mean? The best way to do that is to take people out of the labor force. And what better way to do that than where UBI, where maybe an extra $12,000 a year you know, you may have some people say, hey, you know what, an extra $12,000 a year, I'll stay home, I'll raise the kids, you honey, you go out and you work and, you know, maybe we can get back to that. So this is also a, a pro-family argument right. tied into this, you know what well, I mean? Right. I mean, get- also just, I I don't know about anybody else, but this quarantine has shown me that if people can't work, they, they do go crazy. If people don't have a need to work, they're still going to go crazy trying to find something to do, something productive mm-hmm. to do. They're still working it's just not how we currently traditionally view the word work Mm -hmm. 
But we're finding communities and it's beautiful because more people are getting into these chat groups with people like my my grandma is part of a crochet group now, right? My mom figured out how to do a Bible study group. I now am part of a puppet group. Okay, like the the people who have been lonely are finally like, oh, hey, we're, we're, we're interested in the same thing. Like, let's hang out. But that's like developing these networks that didn't exist before, right? But maybe they're collectively working on something, which like, you know, they have mission goals. So that's what we have here. Um, and it's actually beneficial for us to like, hey, let's take a break. Let's talk about the issues. Let's work on them. <laughs> we have come to our, the end of our two hours together. And um, it was really nice to have Rio on. Uh, it was nice to have a chance to have a conversation with you, um, you know, off of Facebook and all those very, um, very uh, texty, you know, uh, chats. So um, I'd like to have everybody just give our names and our Twitter handles or wherever you'd like us to find you. If you have a uh, show that you'd like us to come watch. Um, shall we start with you, Rio? <laughs> you're, on, you're on mute. You're, you're, my, you're muted. I was trying to be polite and not interrupt so often. Um, yeah. yeah. So like I said at the outset, I have a podcast uh, with a, a progressive co-host. I'm the conservative co-host. He's a progressive co-host. His name's Corey. Our podcast is called Moving Forward. Um, you can find us on Apple and Stitcher and most other podcast apps. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at RioPublican. Um, like the word publican, but with Rio. Like the word rep- Republican, but with Rio. Rio Publican. Uh, my name is Faye Doney. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Tisdoney, so T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y. And I also am doing highly inappropriate puppets available on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy? Hi, thanks, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in today. My name is Jeremy, and you can follow me on Twitter at JeremySamon1. That is J-E-R-E-M-Y Excuse me. S-A-M-M-O-N-S and the number one. All right. Uh, my name is Faye, Faye Koo, and uh, I'm at Palestine Math. Uh, I'd really like people to come check out our Facebook group. It's called um, The Structural Defects of Money. It's a women's group, and uh, you can find it by using Facebook groups slash uh, Money Women. Um, I guess I'll go. And uh, my name is Zach Sacker. You can find me on Twitter, Z-A-C-H underscore S-A-C-H-E-R. And I also host uh, my own podcast slash YouTube channel. It's called The Liberal Conservative Report. I'm on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, basically everywhere. (laughs) Okay, Elizabeth, are you here? Yes. Uh, The Wandering Unicorn on youtube if you want to hear me read you books right now we're doing harry potter and uh, at unicorn three six six nine zero two on twitter if you want the crazy chaos that that is <laughs> ariel are you here still yeah yeah i'm right here yeah so my name's ariel you can find me on twitter at, at ariel's underscore armada that's spelled A-R-I-E-L-S underscore A-R-M-A-D-A. And uh, you can also find me on YouTube under Revolutionary Thinking. The Ariel, I was all ready to do, to do a joke about how you just flew off in the chopper on some very important mission, but I'm glad you were here. 
Uh, my name is Shale <laughs> Riley. My Twitter is at S-H-A-E-L-R-I-L-E-Y. Rio, thank you so much for coming. Your perspective was truly unique. I still would love to see you as one of the Republican UBI Congress members. So, you know, I'm not going to so hold my breath, but I would support you with everything I had. And I think you would be an asset to the cause like, like, like no one else out there right now. We really could use you but thank you for coming on uh it was a great conversation you're welcome to come back anytime let's have a discord we have uh usually four or five podcasts a week so just drop in anytime meet other ubi advocates let's work together let's do this thing right and and i just want to say before we sign off that i think like a great idea for me to run for congress is because i noticed that i'm a great uh mediator because when Yang people and Trump people were having a kerfuffle in an LA rally. I was the one like in the middle there. And then like at the end, they kind of understood each other and made friends. I just want to say that. I was about to say, Ariel, if you need money for your campaign, you could just sell the chopper. Yes, just sell the chopper or do some more missions. Do some more, it was mine. Do some more missions because you're obviously a GTA character. All right. <laughs> All right and with that, yeah. sort of slightly tasteless joke, baby. Uh, yeah. I, Thank I, I, I would actually <laughs> want one. <laughs> um, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. No, thank you again for, 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 thank you for watching. Stay safe out there. We'll see you tomorrow for our last show of the weekend. Yeah, please stay safe. Bye. <laughs>